So a few weeks ago, I was at my parents' house and a section of the evening news came on and it's called On the Road with Steve Hartman. This is a segment of the news that I always enjoy watching because it's always a heartwarming, uplifting story, usually about people who are overcoming adversity and uh, it, it inspires the viewers. This particular episode was introduced by the quote, living your dream often inspires others to do the same. And so immediately my ears perked up and I thought, oh, this could be really applicable to career coaching. And so in this episode, Steve Hartman uh, was visiting with his nephew, Ted, who is um, a preteen who happens to be blind. He sometimes feels that his blindness is insurmountable. He said, I want to be like everyone else sometimes. I like that Ted said something about sometimes instead of all the time. I think he knows that there's something unique about him, but he definitely has some struggles. And so Steve Hartman introduced another segment that he had done before with the race car driver, Dan Parker. Yeah. So in the episode, Steve told the story of Dan Parker, who was a lifelong race car driver. And on March 31st of 2012, Dan was doing testing at the Alabama International Raceway, and he was in a terrible accident. He was driving a 1963 nitrous-injected Corvette, and when he pulled the parachute to stop his car, he became airborne and he was launched into the retaining wall. Dan was unconscious when he was rescued, and he was in a medical-induced coma for 13 days. And when he was coming out of the coma, it was determined that he had lost his eyesight from the traumatic brain injury he suffered in his accident. So despite the fact that Dan had lost his sight, it didn't stop him from continuing from building race cars and racing race cars. And in fact, he decided that he wanted to set the Guinness record for the fastest blindfolded driver. And of course, he didn't have to be blindfolded because he did not have sight. Um, he had a co-pilot with him to take over just in case it was needed. But of course, Dan did not need help. Dan managed to break the record at 211 miles an hour, which is a fabulous example for Ted and for basically everyone else. So Dan encouraged Ted to chase his dreams and not be held back. And at the end of the segment, Ted kind of half-heartedly said to Steve, I think I want to fly. Steve Hartman's original episode stopped there, but then something really special happened. A pilot named Sidney Irish saw the story and he heard Ted say that he wanted to fly. So Sidney Irish decided to get in contact with Ted and offer him a flying lesson. And he did just that and he took Ted up and he let Ted take off and land and he uh, really gave Ted the experience of a lifetime. Yeah, it was very exciting. You can tell at the very end of the episode, um, Ted was just beside himself with joy and excitement that he got to fly. I think almost anybody would feel that way, but especially somebody who thought that could never be a possibility. 
Something that I admired about Dan in particular is his ability to find ways to adapt. So Dan had originally been this race car driver who I'm sure he never even imagined that he would ever lose his sight. But even though he did, he didn't let him it hold him back. He found ways to adapt with equipment that would read measurements to him. And he learned how to translate feeling into imagining things in his mind instead of using his eyes for the same kind of thing. And what his message was to Ted was blindness is not what is stopping you. Make excuses or make it happen. And of course, that could be applied to anything, not just blindness. It was so moving to me that Dan Parker created opportunities for Ted in ways that he hadn't even imagined. And I think it was so inspiring to see that when Dan shared his story out loud, he unlocked potential in people around him. And he really modeled a way to live out his dream despite adversity and challenge and setback. So this idea ties in very well with what we're trying to do with the podcast. And that is that we're sharing lots of different stories from lots of different people, how they're able to overcome their version of adversity and obstacles and inspire you, the listener, to take your own steps to make your own extraordinary life. Hi, I'm Sylvia. And this is Leslie. This is Carpe Vitae, a podcast in which we meet cool people to learn about their careers and the journeys they took to get to where they are now. We will also talk to experts to help you learn and grow in your career expedition. We hope that this podcast will inspire you to find your own version of an extraordinary life. I'm Sylvia Arpey, and I am the career development coach at Aspen Grove Wellness. My career journey has been long and winding and took several side paths that I certainly did not plan. When I was in high school, I decided I wanted to be a high school ag teacher. And so I immediately left high school and started summer classes at the community college. And I decided I'm going to take as many courses as I can, as quickly as I can. And I am going to spend less time at the four-year university where I need to get my bachelor's degree. And so I went to the state college after I graduated from the community college and they told me it was gonna take three years, not the year and a half that I planned. And that was because there were some courses that were only available through their school and they were only available on certain semesters. I was devastated. I thought that my plans had been totally upended. And so I sort of halfway, half-heartedly went went to college there for a year. And then I dropped out. I needed to buy groceries and I needed to pay bills and I wasn't feeling college anymore. So after several years and several different jobs, I started substitute teaching. It was a flexible schedule that I really needed because My oldest daughter was in the picture at this point, and uh, it was a great experience. I loved teaching. And so I substitute taught K through 12, all the subjects, and I learned pretty quickly that high school was definitely the age group I wanted to work with. 
So I decided in my late 20s to return to school and finish a bachelor's degree. This time it was in English in secondary education. I always loved reading and writing and working with words and talking about literature. And so it was a natural fit. Ironically, when I was teaching high school English, uh, my school wanted to start an FFA program. They knew that I had a background in ag and they came to me and asked if I would get my uh, certification in ag. And I did. And so then I also became an ag teacher on top of teaching English. Absolutely loved it. Loved my students, loved the conversations, was very heavily involved in the school. Unfortunately, when you're very involved in the school, that takes a lot out of you. And as other people who are teachers know and understand, um, the work-life balance just isn't there. So after nearly a decade of teaching, I made the very difficult decision that was absolutely gut-wrenching to quit. And from there, I decided I was going to start my own drone business. I wanted the freedom of working for myself. I wanted the adventure of uh, making creative things and putting them out into the universe. And it just was not lucrative enough for me to live on. Again, I was, I was in that scarcity mindset and mode. Um, and so then I went back to my alma mater and I started working there as a director of alumni. I enjoyed that very thoroughly. I enjoyed working with the people who had previously attended the university and planning events and attending those events. Um, but about this time, my then boyfriend, who's now my forever husband, uh, came to me and said that he was going to grad school in Michigan. <laughs> and at this point, I had never lived outside of the state of Kansas. And I made another incredibly difficult decision that had many, many different fa facets to it um, to pack up and move to Michigan. And uh, there, I worked online as a teacher, and I also did online tutoring, which was another great experience. I was able to meet and connect with some really fabulous students around the country. And then I started working at the University of Michigan, Ross School of Business, and I worked in the Career Development Office. That is when I decided that career coaching is what I wanted to do. And my life was changed significantly. Welcome to our first episode of Carpe Vitae. Today, I have the chance to interview Sylvia Arpke, who has been a friend of mine for more than 20 years. Sylvia and I met in high school chemistry class during our junior year of high school in Salina, Kansas, and we have been friends ever since. She shared her really spectacular odyssey with us earlier, and I had a front row seat to that journey, and I was able to watch that in real life. There's a really important part of Sylvia's career odyssey that I want everyone to know. My colleague and I started a group psychology practice, and we put our hearts and soul into making this practice. But one of the most difficult parts of the journey was finding a name for the practice. And I sent Sylvia a text, and I said, Sylvia, you are a creative desperate times, call for desperate measures. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, but if you have any time, could you imagine a name for a group psychological practice? And true to form, 
Sylvia showed up with a whole heart of friendship and she sent me this enormous text of a whole bunch of ideas for names of a group practice. And one of the names was Pando Harbor. And I did not know what Pando meant. And Sylvia says to me, it's it's really special. It's really important that I know what Pando is. Pando is a grove of aspen trees that has grown by sharing roots, which is how aspen trees grow. And it's one of the largest li- living organisms in the world. And I heard that concept and you introduced some of the idea of shared roots and having a really strong shared foundation of connection and collaboration and the importance of, you know, sharing from the foundation up. And I was so moved by that concept. So was my colleague, Stephanie. And we decided that our group practice had to be Aspen Growth Wellness. And so I felt like you belonged in Aspen Grove from the second we picked the name. So I shoot you a text message and I say, somehow, some way, Sylvia, I need yes. you in the Aspen Grove. I need you here. And I don't know how what it's going to look like. Um, in my head, I thought you might, I might try to encourage you to go back to school to get, to become a therapist. Yeah, I, Sylvia I said, no way. <laughs> Yep, Sylvia said no way. Um, but I just it really felt like you belonged in the team. And it uh I, I shared that with you. And then you started to share with me that you were at Ross Business School mm-hmm. working in their career development center, and you had all these ideas and these experiences, and Ross is such a great program, and their yeah. career development center is amazing. And I started to listen and learn, and it was really, really cool. And you said, I would like to be a career development coach at Aspen Grove. And it just felt like the right thing, the coolest thing. And it really fit with our concept at Aspen Grove that we want to think really holistically about health. And one of the things Stephanie and I have learned over our careers is that to be well, we have to think big and we have to think about family health and identity health. And certainly we have to think about career health. And it felt like adding a career development arm to Aspen Grove was the perfect choice. And we're really, really excited to have you as part of the Aspen Grove team. And we're really, really excited to explore career development and career ideas and career concepts and professional development and We're very excited to be able to have a podcast to bring some of that to a broad audience. Well, I'm definitely somebody who feels like everything happens when it's supposed to happen and like there's universal um, intervention and things like that. And, you know, the the second text that you sent me, I happened to have been in a meeting with my boss at that time. And I said, oh, my friend, she's saying again that she wants me to work with her at her practice and I'm like, I just, I cannot go back to school. I'm I'm done with that part of my life. And then my boss is like, um, <clears throat> career coaching, that's what you want to do. It's part of a whole person's wellness. And I was like, um, okay. So <laughs> I replied back to your text and you know that the rest is history basically. So there were, there were lots of things that went into this and lots of um, just 
you know, different people coming together and influencing me, influencing you. And, and I told you earlier today that um, there's a shopping center just down from us called Aspen Grove. <laughs> and I uh-huh. drive by it all the time. And I just think, wow, this is this is the universe saying, yep, this is the right thing. So yeah, I'm I'm incredibly excited and incredibly uh, feel very, very grateful that this is an opportunity. So Sylvia, today you are working as a career development coach at Aspen Grove Wellness, but you shared with us that you have had a variety of jobs before you got to this point. Can you tell us about some of the other jobs you've had? Yes, I I had to write down all of the jobs because I've had so many different things. I started working when I was 13 years old as a babysitter, as many teenage girls do. Um, I eventually became a restaurant hostess when I was 15 years old. I was a fast food worker, a department store clerk. I worked as an answering service operator, which is someone who answers phones for like doctor's offices um, after hours, which was a great college job because there was a lot of downtime and I could work on homework between calls. I was um, a worker at a research farm which was a very, very interesting, hands-on, in-depth job. I worked there for a couple of different summers. I visited you at the research farm. Did you? And you took me to the greenhouse, and I remember eating an orange at the research farm. (laughs) Wow. Poor memory unlocked. I forgot about that piece. (laughs) Yes. I love it. This was in Hutch, right? Yeah. 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 I went there and um, you gave me a tour and you showed me the greenhouse and I ate an orange. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm remembering that now. I love that. Uh, so after I worked at the research farm, I worked in a doctor's office, like back desk clerk, which means like when people are checking out and they need to set new appointments. Um, I read meters for a gas and electric company. I was a chiropractic assistant a substitute teacher, as I mentioned in my odyssey. Um, And I worked at a lavender farm. Um, And you did, I just saw a Facebook memory today of what, I don't remember how many years ago this was now, but you came to visit me there. um, And so that's really funny that 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 memory popped up today. (laughs) I remember the lavender farm. We went to the lavender festival and you were singing and Annie was a little bit, my daughter and we had a really good time. Yes. Yeah. And I gave tours and yeah, very, another very hands-on job. Um, so yeah, I've had a, <laughs> a wide spread of different jobs, just trying to figure out what in the world I wanted to do. Um, something else other than just like paid work that I'm passionate about is volunteering and donating my time. I just relocated to uh, the Denver, Colorado area area. And so I'm, I'm piecing together ideas on places to volunteer out here. There's a zillions of opportunities. So I'm excited about that. But um, some of the other opportunities that I've had to volunteer were at a former Masonic temple in Salina, Kansas. Um, we are going to actually interview the gal who's in charge of that. Her name is Mary Landis. Um, but she's incredible. Oh, Mary incredible. Amazing. Amazing. She yeah. almost single-handedly rescued that building. You know, there's lots of other people in on, on it now, but it was her passion project to save it. So 
many, many props to Mary. Um, when I was there, like the very first thing I got to do there was decorate the co-working space, which was fabulous. <laughs> I got to go through the temple <laughs> and find cool things and decorate the space, which it was very rewarding. But I also sat at the front desk and gave tours and basically chipped in wherever I could. And I just, I, the temple is like my temple. <laughs> it is my sanctuary. Um, and when I go back to Kansas, I almost always have to drop in at the temple. I had never been in the temple the entire time I lived in our hometown until you yeah. gave me a tour. I had never been inside of it. I don't, well, I was going to say I didn't think I'd ever been in there. I'd been in there maybe once before I started volunteering there, but I certainly did not go all over the place like I did when I volunteered there. And what um, an amazing space. Such a cool spot. Um, but my most recent volunteer experience was at the Bride's Place, which is another super cool project. It's um, a nonprofit bridal shop. It's in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And all of the gowns are donated. And there are thousands of dresses there now. Um, and all of the proceeds go to support the cancer support network in Ann Arbor. So I love to find projects like that to volunteer my time. It's just, it's super rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have certainly led a very full life and you've had uh, a very full career path. Have you experienced any burnout along the way? And do you have any advice on avoiding it? The biggest example I have of burnout in a job was when I was teaching. I was basically married to my job. I loved it. I mean, I loved teaching. I loved my students. I loved helping them in just a variety of different ways. Um, but that was a double-edged sword because while I loved helping them, I also felt a little bit obligated. I was mostly compelled using more of a, a positive connotation word there, um, but also a little bit obligated to help them. And that was like answering emails in the middle of the night, chaperoning basically every dance. I went to games that were home games. I went to away games. I coached forensics, which is acting. I volunteered for the NHS committee. I did FFA. I was on the, on the redesign team and like, on and on and on and on. So I, I was at the school all the time. And all of this was on top of teaching. And this was on top of teaching English, which when you're an effective English teacher and you're pouring through people's essays and teaching all the minute details of writing, um, it's a lot, just on its own, without all that other stuff. Um, sure. But what what I learned from that experience was you have to make time and space for yourself that is not work. Like mm -hmm. work can't be your own only identity. Not if you want to lead a life that is not just like nose to the grindstone all the time. And sometimes you have to, sometimes that's the way it is. But if that's how it is just all the time, that's too much. Um, my, my last boss who is absolutely fabulous, a great example to me in many, many ways um, she added a line to her email, and I think, honestly, it was because of me, um, but she added a line to her email signature that said, just because it's a good time for me to send an email doesn't mean it's a good time for you to reply. 
So she would send an email at like, you know, 1130 at night. And I'd be like, I'm checking my phone and replying. And she's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Because I said it then doesn't mean you have to reply right away. And that's something that I am. And this is very recent. So I'm, I'm teaching myself that work and life, they obviously they collide because it's a big chunk of your life. But it also there also needs to be a separation for it to be healthy. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, I want to also ask you, what would you tell your younger self if you could? Oh, younger Sylvia had a lot to learn. <laughs> Older Sylvia does too, but uh, she learned a lot of lessons along the way. And I, I, there's benefit of that. But, you know, one of the biggest things I think I would, I would tell my 19-year-old self is slow down. You know, in my Odyssey, I talked about how I thought I could just power through everything and I could be a teacher right away. And, you know, life would just go really well after that. <laughs> That's not how it works. If you rush through things and expect that everything is going to go exactly your way, the exact way that you planned it, it, it spoiler, it's not. <laughs> life has yeah. lots of twists and turns that you're not expecting. And like, you have to learn to roll with the punches. You have to be willing to go back and start over. You have to learn to accept that, you know, your dream job, your dream, whatever may not end up being what you're actually going to do. Um, another thing, and I told my students this all the time is don't take out so many student loans. Just because they're saying you can have this much money doesn't mean you should take it. Because it, at the time, it's like, oh, sure, it's an extra few thousand dollars. That'd be great. Um, in some cases, you need it because there's no other way you can buy books or whatever. But the student loans literally never go away. You can't file bankruptcy and get rid of student loans. Basically, you can't even die and get rid of student loans. Your children will inherit them. Um, and student loans as they are set up now, or especially when I was a student, um, basically you pay on interest more than you pay on the principal. And it seems like they, it never gets paid down. Um, but <laughs> my biggest piece of advice, and I still offer this to everyone, and I've learned this over and over and over again, is never settle. Don't settle for jobs that make you unhappy. Sometimes you have to in the moment, but don't make that your whole thing. Don't settle for friendships that make you frustrated. And don't settle for romantic relationships that leave you lonely. Life is both too long and too short to settle on all of these things. <clears throat> well, in your journey, I wonder if there were any surprises along the way. Life is crazy. It has so many twists and turns. And even if you try to chart the whole thing out, like I said, it's not going to work out the way that you plan it. Everything that I thought I wanted, especially when I was in my early 20s, it wasn't a good fit. I didn't know myself. You know, this is something that when you're a teenager, when you're in your 20s, you're still trying to figure yourself out. But you also think you know everything. And without experience you never really learn. 
um, my life completely changed in my mid thirties. And I definitely did not expect for that to happen, but those changes, mostly because I made really tough decisions were wonderful. I had to make serious risks to get to where I am now. And of course there's trade-off and consequences for every decision. doesn't matter if it's a small decision or a giant decision, but life can be really good and the good can far outweigh the bad even when you make these really giant life decisions. It's really interesting to kind of reflect back and think about what we didn't know and what we know now and what we don't know now. And Yes. <laughs> this is one of my very favorite questions. I love to ask this when I'm interviewing someone. Um, but tell me something about you that is important about you that people wouldn't find on your resume. So... I am a hugely creative person. And maybe that won't be surprising if you knew that I was an English teacher. <laughs> uh -huh. um, but my creativity comes out in lots and lots of ways. Like it lights me up to create something out of nothing. Um, uh -huh. And I, I'm a singer. I've been singing on stage in solos and in groups, um, you know, before I was in seventh grade. But in seventh grade is when I started performing uh, by myself, which was at that time incredibly terrifying. I had horrible stage fright for a long, long time, but I did it anyway. Um, I've been in several musicals. I write poetry and I, I've i written poetry basically my whole life. I remember when I was in eighth grade, I did a poetry project um, and my teacher, Mr. McClure, I'll give him a shout out here. Um, he gave me an A plus on this poetry assignment. And he said something like, um, let me know when you write your first book. And that was like, oh, I was recognized that something yeah, that I sure. loved to do, somebody else was receptive to that. And so all through my life from that point on, I've been writing poetry. But I decided that I was gonna start writing poetry with a typewriter. And the reason that I did that was because I was going to force myself to not be perfect in my writing, which is terrifying as an English teacher, as someone who has studied language and literature and spelling and blah, blah, blah. So for so long, it's scary to not be perfect. Um, but I type out my poetry and I might rewrite it if I want to change a word, but Generally speaking, I force myself to put out what I have written. And sometimes there's spelling errors. Occasionally there's a grammar error, not very often, but occasionally. And I make myself do it. They're never perfect. But I love mm -hmm. the vulnerability of that. I love the openness of that. And so far it's been very well received. So, but yeah, very creative. I love making something out of nothing. Yeah, you're very good at making something out of nothing. I've seen you make some really beautiful things over the course of your life. Thank you. Yeah. So in your job now, what superpower do you think you use? My One of my biggest qualities slash superpowers is that I am incredibly empathetic, sometimes to a fault. <laughs> Um, but empathy is incredibly important when your focus is on helping people. Um, I've always been an empathetic person, but I definitely honed that skill when I was teaching. And ever since then, 
Um, I also have just a lot of life experience and that has ranged from not so great to incredibly exciting and ex inspiring. And I use all of my life experiences, my lived experiences to help people and to be able to relate them on, to them on a much deeper level. I know a lot of experiences because I've been there and I've struggled. I've been unhappy. I've been in the grind and survival mode where you just have to get through another day to get to the next day where you don't know how you're going to pay your bills. Um, you don't know if you want to wake up tomorrow because it's things are not great. And then I've also been on the other side where I feel very much I am right now where there's joy and there's excitement and there's, um, you know, anticipation for the next day and the next thing. And I am here to stand behind you and to give you a little push and a little hug and to say, you know what, things might be scary right now but we're going to make tomorrow a better day than yesterday. What's your favorite part of your job right now? Well, it goes really hand in hand with that empathy. And that is, I, I love helping people. I love to see people have light bulb moments and gain confidence in themselves. It's rewarding to coach someone through any piece of career exploration or life in general, and then see them succeed. Um, Obviously, I love things that are creative, like this podcast that we're putting together. Um, and so, yeah, just helping people, creating things, um, being excited about possibility. Spoiler alert, I am a creative too. And I don't always look that way, but I, am, <laughs> I really have a creative spirit. Okay. All right. My final question for you today is an important one. Have you had any mentors that have helped you get where you are today? Absolutely. I, I would not be where I am without the people who have had a massive impact in my life. I have two that stand out to me in particular. There have been many other people along the way who have touched my life in positive ways, but two who stand out particularly. And the first and the biggest is Don Wagner. And he was originally my high school English teacher, so I've known him for gosh, 25 plus years at this point. Um, and then when I was student teaching, he was my supervising teacher, which was, he was an awesome, awesome person to learn from. He taught for 41 years. Um, and then he is also, I mean, he's a Renaissance man. <laughs> but one of the yeah, things that he does is, he, yeah, he's an amazing musician and he plays music all the time. And when I was student teaching with him, he was like, sing something for me. And at this point, I had terrible stage fright still. And I'm just like, ah, but I did. And he's like, we should perform together. So then, you know, he's my band leader. He, but he's so much more than that to me. He is my father, basically. Um, he's given me so much advice over the years. If I am completely frustrated with something, he's my go-to person because he is my grounding source. <laughs> I am the lightning and he is the grounding rod. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's a good grounding rod. Oh, I mean, he's experienced so many things, but then just as, you know, him as a person is, he's just this calm, recentering force. And he, because he's a lifelong English teacher, he loves to 
give me some literary quotes. <laughs> and he often quotes these two things. And one of them is in three words, I can sum up everything I've learned about life. It goes on by Robert Frost. And the other is, and whether you know it or whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. And that's from the poem Desiderita, Dorada. I never had to know how to say that, um, which he officiated uh, my wedding to my husband. And um, he actually quoted part of that poem in, in our wedding service. So um, I absolutely, I could not be the person I am with good old D-Wag, as he's official, uh, affectionately known. The second person um, is my former manager, and I just recently left that position. Her name is Erin Allett. Um, she directly led me to being a career coach. I didn't even know that career coaching was a job until I worked at Ross School of Business in the Career Development Office. And she encouraged me to follow this dream. She's like, you know, this would be a really good fit for you. You should do this. Um, and she just encouraged me to do that. She's also a strong, caring leader. Everything she does is with intention. And I got to see that in action. And it was just so inspiring to me. And I want to take those values that I learned from her on through life. Um, but she's also just this electric, fun personality who just makes work fun, <laughs> which I think is a huge benefit. That's incredible. Okay. Well, Sylvia, thank you so much for sharing more about yourself with us and uh, helping us understand more of your odyssey. And we are, I am so grateful for the opportunity to learn more. There were things I learned in hearing you speak, which uh, is special for me. And um, we will continue on with the podcast. Yes, we have very exciting guests coming up. We have a wide variety of people who will be interviewed and we will learn so much from these people about you know the things that they experienced in their journeys obviously hardly anybody's journey is point a to point b there's there's a lot of different points and backwards moves and all kinds of things in between so i'm i'm very excited to have these conversations with other people as well thanks so much for joining us today on carpe vitae you can find us on your favorite podcast provider platform. Please help support us by sharing, rating, and leaving a comment for this podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. If you have suggestions for guests, please contact me at sylvia.arpkey at youraspengrove.com. Thanks so much to the hugely talented Amos Vega for creating our theme song. Join us next week to learn more about Leslie Stelges Nansen and her journey through the world of psychology.